Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, usually when I jump into the story, I always get caught up worrying about, like, how am I going to start it? What am I going to say? How would Pastor Ben do it? How would a Skip do it? You know, how would Raw Reese do it? You know what? This is how I do it. Check it out. <laughs> when I was younger, when I was younger and I was in school, I was, I was what was referred to as a knucklehead. There was a lot of people that I, that I hung around with, a lot of people that I, was, that I surrounded myself with that weren't good people. You know, they didn't have their head screwed on right. And if y'all don't know what a knucklehead is, I mean, just take a look at this. You can't get nothing. Nothing penetrates that. That's a person you can't teach. Not even if you try to beat it in him, is he going to get it? Just a, just a knucklehead. He does what he does because he thinks it's the, it's the best thing to do without thinking, you know, two steps ahead, without looking at, you know, having an answer for what he's doing, having to look at why he's doing what he's doing, who it's going to affect, how it's affecting. None of those things. You don't take it into consideration. That was me, and that was the type of people that I was surrounding myself with. But when we were younger in school, there was a lot of what you could call well, cliques, you know, clicas, whatever you want to call them, hoods, whatever you represented. You know, you come from a certain neighborhood, that's who you represented. That was, that was the place that you came from. And with all that you had, that's what you represented, and you held, you held strong to that, regardless of whatever was going down. You wouldn't budge, you wouldn't move, you would stay with it, no matter what it cost no matter what it required from you. And there was a couple of different, uh, different you know, hoods that were in, in, the, in the school that I was in. But we had the one. But because there were so many, it ended up turning into what you would look at as, as I don't know, you could call it racist, you could call it whatever you want to call it. It was just a bunch of knuckleheads that were acting like knuckleheads. It ended up turning into Mexicans versus black is what the problem ended up being. And it grew a little, a lot bigger than just those neighborhoods that we were representing. But as it grew into that, those neighborhoods from the same races ended up clicking together to unite and go into war, if you will, against the other side. And what we're going to look at is Jehoshaphat tonight, which was united with someone and was asked and required to go into war. But back to the story of the school, what we did was we were united. We had a friend, a homeboy, whatever you want to call him. He was caught by himself. Two of the other guys that we weren't so cool with, you know, from the other, from the other side, they, they saw him by himself and they, they got a hold of him and they, they beat him pretty good. They beat him pretty good. They ended up throwing him into some glass cases that were in the hallway, he ended up being cut. Uh, the ambulance had to come and go get him. That's what sparked it. That's what caused it. And a couple of us got together and we were like, you know what? This is this this can't fly. This can't ride. We can't do this. We have to go and do something about it. Bunch of knuckleheads, not even thinking. Thought we knew what we were doing. Thought we were holding each other up. Thought we were gonna let me. I gotta go back him up. I gotta go help him out. That's that was the mentality we had. Just ignorant. But we ended up uniting, like I was saying. We got together. We, 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 we caught a bunch of them by themselves, but without us knowing, they had already done the same thing. So what it turned into was we were outside, and it was full. It was a line of us. I'd say it's about 30 of us that were in the line, about 20 or 40 of the other ones in the line. 
and just stood there for a couple of seconds, and it just took one dude. From the far left, I saw a guy push another guy, hit the other guy, and that was it. That was it. Dust kicked up. We started throwing blows. We were going at it like we were a bunch of people, like animals. And now I understand the prison system, why they lock them up, because you don't know how to act sometimes. You, you, you become a knucklehead, and you don't know how to act. You start taking things. You start doing things. This is, was, this was the beginning of them. This was the beginning of that. Dust flew up. People started coming out from the buildings. People were driving up, parking, jumping out of the vehicles. This had already been planned. We already knew. We just didn't know the other side knew the same or was doing the same. So it ended up being a lot bigger than what, what, what we thought it was going to be. Some of us got arrested. Some of us got locked up. You say, well, they were in school. They got locked up. Yeah, some of them were knuckleheads. Some of them were in the grade a little longer than they should have been, you know. But age, you know, that's what happens. But anyway, so, you know, some of them got locked up. Some of them got sent to the hospital. Some got suspended. Some got expelled. Some got thrown into a boot camp program. We all suffered consequences for what we did. Nothing that I'm proud of now, but it did relate. It is a story. Later on, we'll see, you know, it's, it's a testimony of what God's grace and love can do to one person that can change him and bring him out from that old life and that old mentality. But some were arrested, some were boot camp. We all, there were some of us that were saved, though. Some of us got saved. And the reason being, call it unfair or not, it did have to do with some of the other things that we were also affiliated with. Like ball, football. The following day was game day. You know, they wouldn't have had a team at all. Maybe two guys, probably. Two guys would have been there to play. I think they would have lost. Chalk that up as a as an L. You know, they would have lost. So some of us, because of some other affiliations that we had, they were able to step in and they, you know, we ran till we threw up. You know, we worked out till we threw up again. Continued, stayed after school. We had a lot of other things that we had to deal with that we had to, you know, Except because of what we've done, but call it a saving, if you will, because we didn't end up like some of the other ones did. And the point that I tell you is that we have to be careful with what we associate ourselves with and who we surround ourselves with. It really matters. Tonight, we're going to look at, again, like I'm saying, you know, two men, one that followed the Lord, one that did it. They end up in a battle. We'll see how God found favor in one, and unfortunately the other didn't, because he was, his heart was for himself after what he wanted, how he could gain from this. So just a real quick background, we're going to look at the um, Jehoshaphat, which is the king of Judah, son of Asa, succeeded to the throne B.C. 914 when he was 35 years old. He reigned 25 years. His history, you can find it in 1 Kings and in 2 Kings and also in the chapter that we're going to be in tonight, which is 2 Chronicles. He was, he was allies with Ahab. Ahab is the man that was after his own heart for how he could profit, for the things that he needed. A man, obviously, that wasn't, you know, looking to the Lord or depending on the Lord. But by marriage was how he was allied with, it, with Ahab. He was one of the best kings, though. And most prosperous kings of Judah. The greatest in Solomon is, is, is what, you know, a lot of people believe. At first, he strengthened himself against Israel, but soon afterward, the two Hebrew kings formed an alliance. And his own kingdom, Jehoshaphat, showed himself as a zealous follower of the commandments of God, 
that being how he found favor in the Lord. But the zealous follower of the commandments of God, he tried to put down the high places and the groves in which the people of Judah burnt incense and made sacrifices. They also tried to send, they also sent, Jehoshaphat also sent the wisest Levites through the cities and towns to instruct the people in true morality and religion. Riches and honors, riches and honors increased around him. He received tribute from the Philistines, the Arabians, and kept up a large standing army in Jerusalem. It was probably about 16 years of his reign, B.C., 898, if anybody's taking notes, <laughs> when he became Ahab's ally. And in the greatest battle of Ramoth-Gilead. Through this battle, we're going to look at six questions we as believers must ask ourselves daily. These six questions are these. Who are we allowing in our lives? Who is influencing us? Where should our influence come from? And where should our truth come from? What do we need to do with this influence? And what do we need to do with this truth? Let's go ahead and jump into the text. Second Chronicle chapter 18, verse 1. Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance. And by marriage, he allied himself with Ahab. After some years, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him and the people who were with him, and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth-Gilead. So Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him, I am as you are, and my people as your people, and we will be with you in war. Like Ahab, because of who he, asso- who he associated himself with, or at times put, decision, put to decisions that may not be pleasing to God or of God. Again, back to the story in the beginning. Who are you associating yourself? I was associating myself with people that were going to put me in these situations that would draw me into these, these situations that I would have to, you know, either go through or not, you know, but because of association, However it came for, a, for Jehoshaphat was by marriage. By mine was just ignorance. We just be honest. But looking at the decisions that we make, some could be pleasing to God, or may not be pleasing to God, or may not be of God. Not pleasing to God would be what we could be wanting, worldly things that are not pleasing to the Almighty or not of God would be what we want is not the same direction that the Lord has for us. Because of who I was allowing around me, it was easy to see the things the same way that they do and fall into that things that they thought were right, which was we're going to unite and we're going to go to war and we're going to cause whatever we're going to cause, wreak havoc however we're going to wreak it, but we're going to do it. You know, I've, I've come to realize that when we want to do things that are unhealthy, that are, that are wrong, that are not of the Lord, we're always going to find the approval and we're always going to find the, the motivation to go through those things with the people that are affiliated in those same things that, that they're going to encourage you to do. So say that I wanted to fight, that I wanted to take care of this, whatever you want to say. Of course, if I look at the people that were with me, they're going to tell me, go ahead. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. But if I would have sought a coach, 
for instance, of the story. Those are the ones that saved us. If I would have went and talked to the coach, the coach probably would have told me, are you, man, get over here. What is wrong with you? You got no act right. I'm going to just paraphrase him, but I think that's what he would have said. You got to use your head sometimes, you know, instead of just for a hat rack. You got to think. You got to think. I think he would have gave me a different direction, but because I saw direction from the people that were involved in indulging in the same things that I was, I received approval and was encouraged to do so. Also, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. That was that was his coach. I was the one that was going to save him. But right in the beginning, he knew where he had to go, what he had to do. Automatically, he said, first, foremost, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. The first two questions that we have to ask ourselves daily are, who are we allowing in our lives and who is influencing us? Jehoshaphat had the right idea right off the get-go. I need to seek direction from the Lord. I need to see what he has for me. I need to see what he wants me to do. I need to see the direction that I'm supposed to go in. I pose a question, is that what we do daily? Are we doing that? Examples, small or big, however they may be, we'll start with a small one and say, you know, Father, should I put on the red shoes or the black shoes? No, we don't have to go that small, but we do say, you know, Lord, what is it that you have for me today at the wake of the morning? I want to be sensitive to you and what you have for me. What do you have for me today? I want to be sensitive to the direction that you have. Big thing. Should I buy this car? Should I buy this vehicle? Should I date this boy? Should I date this girl? Is this the direction that you have for me? We have to seek the Lord daily. Daily. Picking it back up in chapter in verse 5. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. Ahab sought out direction from the world. He sought out from the people that he knew he was going to get approval from. He sought out direction from the men that wanted the same thing that he did, as I did, the same knuckleheads. Instead of reaching out to someone who was going to speak truth into me and give me good direction. You know, we again, we have to be careful on who we're allowing to speak into our lives. This book, this love letter that's right here was written for a reason. And that was for us to be to profit from. It, it was intended for us to grow from. It was intended for us to to profit from. It was intended for us to to be built to build on in the direction that the Lord has for us. Pastors that are called to be pastors, they're, they're called to speak into us, to, to teach us, to show us, to grow us. And then us in turn, we have a mission that we have to do as well. Verse 6, but Jehoshaphat said, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? See, he knew. I believe he knew already. These folks right here are just going to get me in some trouble. They want the same thing Ahab wants. I need direction from the Lord. So the king of verse seven, so the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. He is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, 
Let not the king say such things. Why would Ahab not want to seek the Lord? We only want what we want at times, especially when it's in critical times, when it's hard times, when it's things that we kind of doubt from. We don't want to hear the word no sometimes. We don't want to hear the word or the or the we don't want someone to speak into us at times and tell us, eh, that's not good, man. That's not a good thing for you to do. When you want something, you go say, should I do this? You want to hear, yeah, go and do it, man. Do it, do it. You should have done it yesterday. I would have. You know, that's what we want to hear. We don't want to wait. We don't want to pause. We don't want to go, you know, taking steps and, and not having understanding or clear understanding of why we have to do what we have to do. But at times it requires that. So we only want what we understand. For Ahab, though, could it could it be could Ahab hate him because he never gets what he wants from the guy? I mean, that's pretty simple. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty direct forward. You know, I hate him, he said. Because it never prophesies good for me. But I say more importantly, because his heart was not for the Lord, his heart was for himself. And so he didn't want to seek the people that were going to give him what the Lord had for him. Given that Ahab doesn't want to seek the Lord, it is evident that Ahab's heart has been put above the Lord's. Adulterous nation, we've read before, we've seen before in the word of God, adulterous people. That is the prime example of being an adulterous people, is that times we put ourselves before the Lord. It's like we cheat on our father with ourselves. We cheat on our father with what we would prefer what we would prefer for us than what he prefers for us. And we have to know, we have to understand what he has for us, what he wants for us is ten times better than what we could ever give to ourselves or want for ourselves. But I hate him because he never prophesies good concerning me. The words of Ahab about the prophet. You know, we've we've heard it before, but we have to touch on it right now again. You know, the world hates Christ. And because we represent Jesus Christ at times, we're going to see that the that the world hates us as well. It's going to hate you, it's going to hate me. It's going to hate us. And those times are going to be when, even though we do it in love, you know, we could see a loved one, we could see a lost one. It doesn't matter. When we try to give them the word of God and we try to give them love, they're going to flat out refuse at times. Some of them are going to respond in anger. Some are going to respond with, with ignoring. Some are just going to turn away and walk away and talk about you behind your back. But it's because they don't, they don't want to hear the truth that comes from, from the word of God, that comes from the Lord. even when we do it in love. And that's the way that we're supposed to do it. The only way we're supposed to do it, when we want to encourage and, get, and speak truth into someone's love we're, in life, we're supposed to do it with love. With love. All they see when we try to give them good, good love, good correction from the word of God, all they see is what they're going to have to change. What they're going to have to give up. What sacrifices they're going to have to make. The work they're going to have to put into themselves before they can come to the Lord and say, okay, I'm going to take that good word that you've written for me. But as believers, we have to continue because we know that the heart is, when the heart is touched and the heart is changed by the Lord, that is what gives them freedom. That is what gives them change. 
They don't realize the power and the authority that the Almighty has. They see what they're going to have to do for themselves. But yet what we're trying to give them is that the Lord will do it for you. It's, it's a hard place. That's a hard place to make somebody understand. But it's, what, it's, it's one of the things that we're called to do. You know, we, can't, we, shouldn't want, we shouldn't be able to stand around and see people that are living an unprofitable life and it not affect you and then not touch your heart, and then not see that you can reach out to them and give them the same thing that freed you. Give them the same thing that broke your bondage. Give them the same thing that gave you freedom. That, that give them the same thing that gave you peace. Give them the same thing that you glorify the Lord for every day of your life. We should want to give them the same thing. As believers, followers of Christ, we must endure, endure the evil-minded world with love and forgiveness but with loving truth. Because when they hit rock bottom or they hit that hard place, I promise, I promise that remember the God-given love that you had and that you were given to them. I promise they're going to remember. They're going to remember. We have to be sensitive to those opportunities of giving someone love, whether we like their reaction or not. Because when the heart, when life hits them hard, they're going to remember the love that we showed them, the forgiveness that we showed them, the grace that we showed them, the grace and forgiveness and love that we can only receive from the Lord because of all the things that he has forgiven us for, that he has erased from our past, that he has brought us through. Us, the body of Christ, you know, we have to encourage one another as the body of Christ. You know, we're not here to battle one another. All these, you know, it, nothing, nothing, I feel like the word religion is like a cancer. It's a cancer that just separates the body of Christ. Everybody has their structures that people believe in. And the word of God doesn't tell us this is supposed to be more than the other. We're, we, we need to come to a place that we can be united, that we can be together as the body of Christ. But whatever it is, you know, even here, we can start here in this place. For us, for instance, we're not here to battle one another. We're here to love and encourage one another, to help grow one another so that we can go from here out of those two doors and out of the next two doors into the street, into the parking lot, into the city to show the world the light of Christ that we have received. The way that we're growing here from this word of God that's being instilled into our hearts and in our minds, it doesn't stop at that door. It's got to go through those doors, bust through the glass doors and bust, bust through the city. That's what we're called to do. That's what we have to do. Christ is not for us to keep to ourselves. He's for us to share the world to the world with. Our changed heart consumed by love is stronger than than any condemning or judging of people that we see when we see that their their faults and their weaknesses. We have to realize that those faults and weaknesses. You know, we once had them, too. When we see somebody hurting when we see somebody struggling, when we see somebody, you know, in, indulging in, in worldly things, we have to remember you. We weren't always the way we are. You know, we were once lost too. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I was once a knucklehead. Amen. I was once a knucklehead. So when we see those faults and we see those weaknesses, we have to be able to relate to them lovingly, compassionately, and know we once were lost too. We were once just like you. 
This is why we love them. Not because we're better than them, but because we were like them. You know, we've been set free by the blood of Christ. The same freedom that we have, they can have as well. We need to give it to them. It's our responsibility as Christians. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus said to him, "You shall love the Lord with, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind." The greatest commandments. This is the first. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew twenty two forty. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This was spoken to the Pharisees. If we ever find ourselves in a situation that we're thinking or we're looking and saying, you know what, that dude's a little worse than I am. We've forgotten what we came from. We've forgotten what we've been set free of. We've forgotten the love that the Lord has shown us and the love that he's instilled in our hearts. We've forgotten it. Even if we're behind closed doors and our own personal thoughts worse. And we have those thoughts. No, I'm not a sinner like him or I'm better than him. I'm better than that guy that's in jail. Well, I'm better than that guy that's cheating on his wife or whatever the case is. We've forgotten where we came from and what we've been set free of. We have to check our hearts. And it starts with those two greatest commandments that were given in Matthew. You know, we're not called to cast stones as we've been learning on Sundays. What we've already learned. All the men that were ready to cast that stone and Christ put a halt to it by telling them the one that is without sin, cast the first one. Cast it. Toss it. I know it would have been the same way. Wouldn't be able to. But yet, indifference, we're called though. We're called to love and make disciples of all nations. Also from the book of Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore, And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Amen. The first two questions by like a way of recap, we have to ask ourselves daily. Who are we allowing in our lives and who is influencing us? Like the story in the beginning, I was allowing the people around me in my life to to influence me. Like Jehoshaphat, because of his ties to Ahab, Jehoshaphat was allowing, allowing Ahab in his life and also to influence his life by asking him to go to war. The next two questions that I pose that we should ask to ourselves daily is where should our influence come from and where should our truth come from? Back in, in the scripture in verse 8, then the king of Israel called one of his officers and said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imla quickly. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, clothed in their robes, sat each on his throne, and they sat at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. Now Zedekiah, the son of, I can't even pronounce that name. I've been trying like for two weeks, and I, Shananiah, Shananiah, something like that. Okay, we're close had made horns of iron for himself, and he said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. You know, right now, I have to tell you that the enemy is skilled in trying to give false hope 
When is it the easiest? When is the easiest time for the enemy to give us false hope or to try to affect us? For us, could be our emotions when we allow when we depend on our emotions to lead us. It's easier for us to let that tickling of our ear consume us and and direct us in false hope. And I tell you right now, the enemy loves nothing more than to play on our emotions. That's why when we are led, we must be led first by the word of God, which is truth, never changing yesterday, today and tomorrow. It always has to be the word of God. Our emotions will follow. Verse 11, and all the prophets prophesied, say, go. So saying, go up to Ramoth, give that and prosper for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, now listen, the words of the prophet with one accord encouraged the king. Therefore, please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. I mean, they're just going to tell the man of God, look, just don't worry about what the Lord is telling you. Just do what we're telling you to do. It's better. But, you know, like us, you know, people who are under the influence of self and the world will come and try to persuade you to do the same. Again, I've come to realize that when we want to do something unhealthy, not profitable, not the direction of the Lord or of the word of God, the people that are indulging in the same thing are going to always encourage you, always encourage you to do so. We have to be careful who is speaking into our lives and where our, where our influence is coming from. But how can we keep from being persuaded by worldly people or worldly things? Or let's dig a little deeper and ask, you know, what will the world try to give as far as false teachings, maybe? Is this not something that we deal with regularly as well? Both questions can be answered with the same answer, though. By knowing the word of God by heart and applying it. Even if it's not what we want. Even if it's not what we understand. Even if it's not what the majority of the people around us are doing or saying or practicing. But more importantly, especially when it's in those times of doubt, we need not have to worry. At times when we don't understand, but, you know, it's hard for us. It's hard for us not to not to lean on our own understanding or, or what we want. But again, I want to encourage you that at all for everything that you have trouble with, for everything that you struggle with, for everything that you see, for every loved one that you pray for, for every enemy that you pray for, for every situation that you pray for. Without understanding, by faith, we have to put it in the, in, in, the, in the hands of the Lord. Verse 13, and Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever my God says, that I will speak. That's the, that's the example to follow, regardless of what was going on, regardless of what he was being told. He said, what well, my Lord speaks is what? what I'm going to say, no matter how hard or easy. Verse 14, then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And he said, go and prosper, and they shall be delivered unto your hand. Speak truth no matter what the world wants to hear. Stay true to biblical doctrine no matter what the world tells you. Stay true and trust the word of God, even if it hurts or is hard. 
But just like Micaiah here, have we not fallen the same way? When we get surrounded by these things or we see this way in a certain way, do we not at times fall short knowing that we know the word of God, knowing what we know is true, knowing what what the word of God tells us is better, is profitable for us, and yet we still fall in line with what the Lord, what the what the world is doing. Again, where does our influence come from? You say, yeah, it's easier said than done. I tell you, it's better that we read and believe than to work and fix. When I think about the word of God and if it's real, I always go back and look at Thomas. You know, we can relate. I know we all can when it seems hard to have faith. But then I continue reading the book of John. John 20, 25 it reads like this. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So Thomas, he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand in here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me. You have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. You know, our our salvation is secured by by faith. When we fall into these influences of the world like Micaiah did and he played along with it, that's we need to increase our faith so that we don't fall to those things. Faith in believing. You know, we are saved in salvation secure about the ones that 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 are we are secure. But what about the ones that are not secure? What about the ones that don't have so much faith? I know we're here on a Wednesday night and we have faith, right? We're good Bible studies, Bible students. We, we continue to grow. But what about the ones that are not here? What about the ones that, that, that are lost? What about the ones that nobody wants to show love to? You know, like Josh was teaching on the show, ourselves to prove, approved, the dokimas. You know, that, that, that showing ourselves approves comes by the change that the Word of God does in us, not so much by the knowledge of the Word. Because what is knowledge of the heart is false? What is the Word going to penetrate if the heart is wrong? If we look at a sinner and we know that he's lost, but yet all we want to do is condemn him with the Word of God and beat him down with it, how is that going to help him? If we don't have the heart because and give it to him because we want him to have the same freedom that we've had or the same breakthrough that we've had. We have to cling to the word and to hope. Because it's what we need and the time for the people that are lost. Romans 5 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. 
Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This is the hope that we have for the people that are lost. This is the hope that we have for the people that don't know about the word of God. This is the hope that we have for the people. When you invite them to church, they tell you, I go to church already. Oh, my goodness. I've never heard that more. Every time I go to church already. Ask them who the pastor is and see what they say. Ask them what they're reading about or what they're studying right now and see what they say. We have to give it to them, whether it's hard or not. If we get the same answer a thousand times, then we have to ask 2,000 times. If we get that same answer 2,000 times, then we need to be inviting people 4,000 times. Christ is not just for us. Christ is not just for this building. It doesn't, he doesn't just stand here in the sanctuary. There's a lot of things going on. We're called with purpose. Verse 14, then he came to the king and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? And he said, go and prosper and there shall be delivered into your hand. Micah did as he was instructed. But again, as we looked at him, you know, he followed the false prophet. And at times we do the same. You know, we stray from the word of God and his truth and his direction. Think about the people, again, that are lost. I mean, I can't go over this enough, enough. How, how good does false doctrine sound to a worldly person? False doctrine of saying, you, it's okay to do this, it's okay to do that. How good does it sound to them? How much permission do they need to continue living the life that they're living now or in the same struggles that they're struggling now? Or if they plant this one seed, they'll get this. How good does that sound to them? All they have to do is pay $1,000 and they can continue living the way they live. They want Christ, but they don't want the change. My heart breaks when I see it. It gives them the ability to be justified in their worldly desires. But again, because we are flawed, it's easy to make mistakes. It's easy for them to make mistakes. It's easy for us to make mistakes. But knowing our victory is in our Redeemer, we are forgiven and perfected just a little bit more every time we fall short. For all of us believers, non-believers, those who are unsure, those that we see our hearts go out to and say, you know, I know Christ, but unfortunately the fruits show different. It seems like it's, it's, a, it's a pattern that the guilt that the enemy gives you is what prevents them from actually surrendering the heart because they say, I'm, I'm not good enough. I, I, should, I can't go to church until I change a couple of things before, you know, and then I can go to church. You know, the victory is in Christ, though. That's what, that's what changes us. That's what prepares us. That's what, that's what gives us the heart that we have now for the people that we know that are not saved, that are struggling that need prayer, that need the Lord. I want to tell you that even us as believers here, we fall short daily. I know we do. We all do. And at times I know that we're like, I can't minister to this person. or I can't invite them to church. I can't tell them about Christ. Look at what I'm doing. I still haven't even been perfected. In case you don't know, you won't be perfected. None of us are going to be perfected. 
And you know what? The enemy uses those, again, playing on someone's emotions. You know, he uses that opportunity to prevent you from spreading the gospel, to prevent you from ministering, to prevent you from inviting someone to church because you have guilt on what you're doing. I tell you that the guilt and failure or sin, that doesn't control us. But victory in Christ is what prepares us. Because you struggle with what you struggle, how much more is it that the man struggles that does not come to church, that does not get fed, that does not hear the word of God? How much more does he struggle than us who we know? There's a war in the world, in this world. And that war is being fought over souls of people that are going to enter into eternity one day. Verse 15, so the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth and in the name of the Lord? Then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep, as sheep and they have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no masters. Let each, one, let each return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Then Micah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. And all the hosts of heaven standing on his right hand and his left. And the Lord said, who would persuade Ahab, king of Israel, to go up? That he may fall to the, to Ramoth, that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead. So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. Then the spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Then Zedekiah, the son of, here we go, Shenanai, I think, <laughs> went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way did the spirit from the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Indeed, you shall see that on that day when you go into the inner chamber to hide. Then the king of Israel said, take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the, the, the king's son. You know, some can look at this or will look at this and say, you know, why did God send the lying spirit? Some will look at it and say, is God a punishing God? Is God punishing Ahab and his army? You know, man will want, want to ask questions, you know, want to know the purpose of, of our father. But let the Lord give you peace. Because everything has to go through our mighty, loving, forgiving Father before it comes to us. God knows how evil and fallen we are as man. And because of that, we have to be redeemed by the, by the blood of Christ. For us today, we can count on the word of God that tells us in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good, for, the, for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And we all have purpose. We all have a reason. We all have been called with a purpose for this battle that we have to endure every day. So when we look at these things and we ask these questions about why this or why that, you know, we got to have peace that our victory is in the Almighty and the perfect will that He has laid before us. We can't get caught up in the, the smaller things the, the smaller scheme of things. We have to look at the big picture and what he's called us to be or called us to do. 26, and say, thus says the king, put his fellow, 
put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction until I return in peace. Then Micah said, Micaiah said, if you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, take heed all you people. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramah Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle. But you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. Now the king of Syria had commanded the captains of the chariots who were with him saying, fight with no one small or great, but only with the king of Israel. It was when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat that they said, it is the king of Israel. Therefore, they surrendered him. They surrounded him to attack. But Jehoshaphat cried out and the Lord helped him and God diverted them from him. For so it was when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel that they turned back from pursuing him. Now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So he said to the driver of the chariot, turn around and take me out of the battle for I am wounded. The battle increased that day and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot facing the Syrians until evening and about the time of sunset he died. At random, he got caught right between the armor. You know, even after, for this, when I read it and I see, you know, I look about, I look, I look at myself and say, even after falling to myself or to the influence of the world, when I cry out to God, he's faithful to remain faithful. Jehoshaphat, who still went against the prophet Micaiah, he still went into war and still continued But when he cried out to the Lord, the Lord was there. There, he was faithful. He was faithful to remain faithful. No matter what we are facing and no matter what we've done, this is the gospel, that all are welcome at the table in the house of the Lord because of the Son, Christ. John 8, 34, 36, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You know, only by staying in our sin, or only by staying in our bondage of sin, we are held captive to sin. But because of Christ, you know, we're free of sin. By repenting and accepting the faith by Christ, the same sin of murder, drug addiction, physical abuse, whether to an adult, to a child, hate, violence, sexual desires, whether on screen or in real life, These sins are the same as the little sins that we find ourselves dealing with daily. How much do we need the gospel daily as believers? How much more do the men that do not have the gospel need Christ? This war that we, that I'm talking about, this war, this battle that we're fighting, it's not against each other. It's not against man or, you know, the word of God tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is a war that, we, that we've been called to, to battle against the enemy for souls of people that are lost, that are living in a world that don't know any better, that don't know the word of God, that don't know of the true doctrine, that don't know how to, how to put their trust and faith in someone else except for themselves and the experiences that they've had or that, that they lived. There's freedom that they don't know about. You know that there's no sin that's greater than the other. And again, you know, there's been times that I've looked at myself and I would say, you know, I'm not as bad as him. We have to realize that in some instances, you know, there's, there's, there's times that we sin 
And to be frank, when I sin, I feel that the conviction of saying I'm worse than the one that doesn't have Christ. Because I know better. But our God is great, full of purpose. And as soon as we admit that we're sinners, God uses that and comforts us so that we can relate to the lost. Remember, the more we don't want to hide our sins. We don't want to hide our faults. We don't want to hide our struggles. We want to let them know, especially to the men that are lost, to the women that are lost, so they can see in us the change that Christ has done. What he's brought us through, they too can have the same. But we keep it because we don't want our fellow brothers and sisters in the, in the sanctuary to know that we struggle. We all struggle, whether we admit it or not. We're not perfect. You know, in Second, in Second Corinthians 1, 3, it says, you know, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all who comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort with the comfort that which we ourselves are comforted by from God. The first two questions we have that we ask ourselves are who are we allowing in our lives and who is influencing us? Like the story in the beginning, I was also allowing the people around me, Jehoshaphat, the people, the, the Ahab to influence him. The next two questions were, where should our influence come from? The word of God, the almighty, through faith, whether we like it or not. We know that it's true and it's with purpose and it's going to stay the same. That's where the truth comes from. The last two questions that we look at, what do we need to do with this influence? What do we need to do with this truth? You know, we have to allow our Savior to equip us with this godly influence. And allow this truth from the word of God to change us first. It starts here in our hearts with us so that we can go to war in this world that we live in against the enemy for the lives that are lost, for the people that don't know better, for the people that are crying out. They're trying to fill their voids with with love. They're trying to fill their voids with boyfriends. They're trying to fill their voids with alcohol. They're trying to fill their voids with with adultery. They're filling their voids with whatever things that they can temporarily that will temporarily relieve their their stress and their troubles. That's what they're filling their void with. That's a void that can't be filled, that can only be filled by Christ. I ask you this because I ask myself every day, when was the last time I prayed for someone? I also ask myself, when was the last time that I prayed with someone? When was the last time that I told someone about Christ? I know, again, like I said, you know, everyone in Lubbock is a Christian. But again, when it's evident that the fruit of the life shall different, when was the last time that I loved them? As believers, we have a responsibility. To us, our greatest gift of love is love. The love that came from Christ, that the love that we the only love that we are able to give is the love that we receive from Christ. That's our responsibility, even if it's hard. When we deal with that difficult person, that person that is just a knucklehead, don't want to change. I'll tell you what, you know, my sister, 
My sister did a lot of praying for me when I was lost and didn't change living in the world. I continued that knuckleheadness for a while. But, I mean, in case you haven't seen anything lately or you haven't seen the power of the Almighty lately, here it is now. Because she prayed, I'm where I'm at right now. Because she had faith, I'm where I'm at right now. We know that it's by the power of Christ, but prayer is strong. Love is stronger. You know, when, when was the last time that we allowed the Holy Spirit to lead us to give the gospel? These are questions that I ask myself every day. When was the last time that I trusted the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's purpose? When was the last time I allowed the Holy Spirit to lead me to minister to someone? You know, I got to tell you, you have to, we have to get used to the source of the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to. It's a must. You know, when I think of the Holy Spirit, I always go back to a, li- to a lyric, a song. I know it may not affect you the same way, but it plays through my head regularly when I think about the Holy Spirit. It's from a guy named Brian Trejo. He's a, he's a Christian rapper. And I quote. <laughs> now it seems a little. I quote him. You know, a Christian rapper, his name is Brian Trejo, and it reads, it says, this is what he says, the Holy Spirit, that's my ghostwriter. He lit this fire in me and didn't use no lighter. He's my co-pilot. He picks me up when I'm nose diving. He sits me up when I'm low riding. He sits my, my, my soul straight when I'm driving. That's what he does. When we feel like we're falling, he'll pick you up. When we feel like we're low, he'll pick you up. When we feel like we should or shouldn't, he'll direct you. He'll sit you up so you can continue driving, pushing that ball forward, continue spreading, continue ministering, continue giving that love, continue forgiving, continue fighting the war that we deal with every day in this world. We have to trust the Spirit. Again, back to the questions that I ask myself daily. When was the last time that I invited someone to church? This war that we fight daily against the enemy starts in our hearts. We know that. And it has to spread. It has to spread. It can't just stay here. Christ is not just meant for us to keep in our hearts. It's easy for us to forget, though, you know, when we feel the weight of the show of our of our own lives on our shoulders. Again, that's why we have to trust in the word of God and the the provisions and, and the strengths that we have. Like Josh was saying when he was praying, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's strong, it's true. Where is our strength? It relies, it's, it's in Christ, it's not in ourselves. Who should be our influence, our Savior? Where does our truth come from? The Word of God. Allow the Lord to prepare us for the war of this world, for the people and the loved ones that are lost. We've accepted Christ by faith. We've allowed Him to change us. Now we have to be used to make Christ the Savior known to everyone. The knowing knowledge that as His children, we still need our Father's forgiveness daily. Man, that should 
just penetrate our heart to know that the people that are lost that don't have it, they don't know of it. You know, as much as I would like to kick it at home and just talk to Jesus all day, that's not what I'm called to do. <laughs> he didn't save me for just that. I'm going to close with this. We all fall short and desperately need the blood of Christ daily. We all make bad choices and need to cry out to God for help. But we know that Christ is our Savior, and because of his blood, we can be forgiven. We can be strengthened. He's our source of strength. Let's stop allowing the enemy to use our faults against us and allow God to use our faults to better relate to those who are lost. Make no mistake about it. Each and every one of us here are in a war. We've been called to battle. We know that they have to come how they are. And just like Jehoshaphat, God will not forsake the lost or us in our time of need. Let me encourage you when you feel like it's hard to minister, or you don't think that you should, or you don't have the right words, or you're not the one called to do so. God knows who he saved. He knows what soldier he recruited. And it was with purpose. We're not going to let the, the weight of guilt affect us. We're going to allow those mistakes to encourage us to reach out to the lost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for all that you've done, Father. We thank you for your, for your love, your mercy, Lord. We thank you for your love letter that you've written for us, Father. We thank you for the purpose that you've laid before our feet, Father, that we can trust in you whether we understand it or not, Lord. We know that we deal with things daily, Father, and the people that we see around us deal with things daily, Father. So we give you our hearts and we ask that you continue to penetrate us, Father, continue to, to grow us and prepare us, Father. And yes, through trials and tribulations, we welcome them because we know that victory is in you and it's with purpose to build us so that we can be well equipped to go, to go into battle for you, Father, to make you known. The war is not over until you come back. And so until then, Father, I pray that our hearts are to reach the lost and to minister to the loved ones, to every person that we encounter, Father. By the leading of the Spirit, we trust you for all things, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.